You're listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast with your hosts, Attorney Dan Mayer and Licensed Counselor Melissa Westner. Dan is not your attorney, and Melissa is not your therapist, but they're here to help you cross your T's and dot your I's as they talk about all the things you wish you had learned in grad school. And now, here are your hosts. Hi there, and welcome to today's podcast, where Dan and I are going to be talking about what happens when your professional board gets a complaint. For mental health providers, this is obviously something that creates a lot of stress and anxiety. So today, we're going to talk about the steps that happen behind the scenes when a complaint is made, so you better understand that process. So I'm going to start off with an anecdote here. I want to actually give you a totally random anecdote, and I'm going to tie it back into our topic today. I don't know if this has ever happened to anyone else. This has actually happened to me, where I was on the um, the highway. I'd just gotten off the highway, and um, I have a young child, and he was not in a particularly great mood, and I was kind of like interacting with him, and I was swerving a little bit, not, not across the lines or anything, and I got pulled over. I don't know what he could have done. And the officer walks up and it turns out that he saw me kind of like going like this in the car. And he was like, I'm going to pull that guy over because that looks weird. Right. And yeah, I got a warning. It was fine. At the time, of course, you're sitting there when, when, when a traffic stop, it's nerve wracking. And you're like, I can't imagine what I did wrong. And I, I sort of equate that a lot of times for a lot of practitioners when you get a board complaint, because you may think, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not expecting a board complaint. And then all someone shows up or it could be that you get a subpoena from the board could be you get some sort of notice from the board that you're doing some sort of investigation, you know, and it's like, oh my God, like, I don't understand what's happening. Why is this happening? The reason I make that anecdote is that sometimes, right, when you get a board complaint or you get a notice of a board investigation or, you know, if there's a subpoena or things like that, it's not necessarily that you've done something wrong, right? You know, that something that's happened to a client of mine in the past is um, they had a client who, really was not happy, um, was actually, you know, and I know we all think our clients are great, but this sometimes we do have clients who are very difficult. We are working in the, the mental health world. And so we know that sometimes clients that we're seeing may have severe trauma or other issues that are affecting their behavior, obviously, right? In this particular case, there was a client who was very difficult. Nothing they could do was really making things better. And they, the client decided eventually to terminate their relationship. And a couple months later, a board they got the, the this person in question got a board complaint. So they immediately call me, send it over to me the review. We go through the process. In the end, what ended up happening was the board dismissed it. That there's not, no merit there. There's nothing here. And that's um, important to remember, right? That anyone can file a board complaint. Yes, and, correct. And just because a board complaint is filed, it doesn't mean that the complaint is going to be found valid or that you will have some type of negative consequence come of it. Nonetheless, that doesn't make it any less nerve wracking. Exactly. And that's why I brought in the story about me being pulled over because that's exactly the same thing, right? I didn't do anything wrong. They thought the police officer thought there was something I had done wrong. He pulled me over to investigate. That's what sometimes happens. Okay. So when you receive a board complaint, Our topic today is when you receive a board complaint, I'm going to kind of put an asterisk on that and say that also includes, obviously, if you get a subpoena or any sort of other notice, um, including notice that the board's investigating something. But if you get some sort of notice from the board, particularly uh, a a complaint, what is the process? You know, what's going to happen? So typically what will happen, the client um, or someone else 
will submit a form to your board, your state board, um, that that proves your license, regulates your license. And at that point, that will kick off um, a review of the document that's been submitted. And so what will happen is the boards will review in Maryland, for example, we're going to use Maryland as an example, because that's where Melissa and I are licensed. They will be reviewed in Maryland. The, the complaint is typically reviewed when it comes to licensed professional counselors. The complaint is reviewed by the disciplinary review committee. And then they may recommend three, act, three different activity, uh, actions, depending on, on their, their opinion. Um, they may say, okay, you know, we're going to dismiss the complaint. They may say, um, we want to take informal disciplinary action. Or they may refer the complaint for further investigation to the board. What will happen then is the board will then meet. They will discuss the results of the uh, DRC, the, the disciplinary committee, um, and they'll make a decision about what they want to do. If a board dismisses the complaint, what it means essentially is, as in the case of my client, there's not enough evidence, there's nothing to suggest there was wrongdoing. Whatever the reason is, there's not enough for us to move forward on. An informal disciplinary action it just basically means it's a letter, it's an advisory letter usually, basically saying, hey, look, you shouldn't have done this or you need to do this better. It's usually confidential. It is not available to the public. I've had this come up before as well, where clients have called me very upset. What am I going to do? I got a complaint. You know, it turns out that they, the board decided in that client's case to do exactly this with an uh, informal disciplinary ruling. And basically what it means is outside of you and the board, the public's not aware that anything was issued, but the board's saying you need to do this better, right? Or they may say, you know what? This is concerning to us. And we feel more investigation is necessary. And then they will refer it to um, an investigator for the board. And that person will then start to go through the facts. They will probably interview people. Um, they very likely may interview you if you are the subject of the complaint. I've had those situations where clients of mine have been people interviewed, essentially, where the board contacted them for information about someone else who there was a complaint for. And so after that investigation is complete, the investigator will then submit their findings to the board and the board will then make a decision about what it wants to do. Yeah. Let me jump in right, right yeah, there. Please. Right. So someone has submitted a complaint. Right. And then this committee is going to meet and they make a decision. Right. At what point then is that mental health provider notified? So typically, if, they, if there's going to be an investigation, right. You'll be notified, particularly if they want to, they're going to be asking the practitioner who is the subject of this. They may invite you to an investigational meeting. Or um, I've attended those. I will tell you that attorneys can attend them. Um, you can, they will generally, from my experience, allow you to bring your attorney. But in my case, and the three times I've done it, I've never been allowed to speak. And they make it very clear you are not to interfere. You will be asked to leave. This is between us and the clinician. Um, we are just trying to fact find. And that's fine. And that's totally understandable. It's great. They're just trying to gather information at that point. Not stressful at all, right? Not stressful at all. No, not at all. When someone's lining up saying, I'm going to investigate this. And if I find that there's merit, I'm coming after you. That's not stressful. No. But the reality is, and I, and I often have this conversation when this has come up with clients, that yes, it's stressful, but you have to go into it with open mind, I think, in that if you believe that you've done nothing wrong, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in just a bit about belief systems when it comes to that kind of thing. But if you're like, hey, look, I, I don't know. I haven't done anything wrong. You know, I'm always like, then we then then we be honest with the board. Very important. Then, you know, you go in thinking, look, I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not playing games. 
you know, you want to fact find, I'm happy to tell you my side of the story, tell you what, you know, my version of the events. And that's what's happening during an investigation. The board is trying to get all aspects of the situation at hand that they're concerned about. Your side, the person who filed a complaint, maybe they're trying to determine are there merits here to show that either laws were broken or ethics were ethical violations occurred? You know, what's happening? And out of the matter of due process, you know, we always hear that term tossed around, but what that just means is that you have a right before a tribunal to have your side heard, that you will have the right to give them information and tell your side of the story. Right. But yes, I mean, there is no, I'm, I don't want to sugarcoat it. You know, this is potentially scary. It can be very nerve wracking. What I also would say that if you've been in practice long enough, at some point in your practice, this may happen. And it's a situation where it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be, have this cause anxiety. But the sooner you deal with it, and you know, particularly if you've done nothing wrong and you work with the board, you can usually get this taken care of and, and, and go away. So what will happen then, like I said, is the, 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 the investigator will, will compile their, uh, their information. They will submit it to the board. The board will meet. Typically, the board will be hearing a number of these, these cases, um, and they'll be voting to whether to what's going to happen next. Okay? If the board says, you know what? Based on what we've been presented by the investigator, we believe that there has been a violation of the, your, your ethics. Um, or potentially even a violation of criminal or civil law, then they may take steps. What will happen is um, if charges are issued, right, there will be, a, at least in Maryland, there will be a case resolution conference, CRC. The CRC will be attended by a board member, board's own legal counsel, um, an administrative prosecutor, and you, the licensee, if you want to have an attorney, which at this point I would advise you should have one, all those would attend. Right. It is an informal meeting. It is a time where everyone can respect, can, can state their own respective uh, positions in an attempt to try to resolve and address the matter and the concerns of the board. Okay. That board member will then go back to the board and give them a recommendation based on the, on the, on the hearing on how what should happen. And the board can then decide are we going to uh, accept that? We're going to modify it or we're going to reject the CRC's recommendation. If an agreement is not able to be reached during the CRC among all the parties, then as a, as a licensee, you will have the right to have an administrative hearing before the board, right? And then the board will then determine at that point during the hearing whether they feel that you know, certain ethics or if there were criminal liability or civil liability is present, they'll determine if that's the case, okay? From that point on, depending on what the outcome of that is, depends on what could happen to your license, right? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you every single situation the board may decide that the options are, of course, the board could suspend your license, they could revoke license, they could put some other type of sanction on you. Um, the point is, is if you're in this point of the phase where you're attending a CRC or you're attending an administrative hearing, I'm going to go back a couple steps in a second. But at this point, it really consider you really should consider this to be a situation where it's an adversarial in some way. Um, you do do want to have legal counsel. It is it is a hearing. Your 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 license is you know in at play here. You know they could be affected by this. One of the other things the board can also do is they can also if they feel like for example there's been fraud, you know, or if there's been some sort of other criminal activity 
um, or civil or civil liability, they can potentially refer this off also to the um, the office of the attorney general for for review for to bring charges. Okay, lots of ripple I mean, effects potentially. Right. We're talking about an outlier here, okay? Because the majority of practitioners are not out to commit fraud. They're not out to break the law. They're not out to commit you know break their their ethics. So, you know, I think it's important that you understand that this is the process. But from you as a practitioner standpoint, your focus and where the bulk of the time, from my opinion, you're going to spend if you have some sort of complaint is the board investigating, determining what's going to happen. Okay. So, like I said, I want to step back just to take a couple steps back. When you get a complaint, or if you get a subpoena, or if you get noticed that they're investigating or something like that's happening, you know, I definitely think you should contact legal counsel at that point. Okay. You may or may not need or want that attorney to come with you to like an investigative meeting, for example. You know, that's something you have to ask permission for. Um, definitely the attorney would be at the hearing. Okay. But at least in terms of reviewing the paperwork that you've gotten, the complaint, the documents you're getting from the board, from the board I think it, uh, having legal counsel and, uh, review that is important because the board in, in Maryland, and this is true, for, I think, for all 50 states, it is true for all 50 states. Boards are state boards. They're state licensing. They are considered administrative entities. And HIPAA does have one of its exceptions on the privacy rule is that a court, a police um, enforcement agency, um, like the FBI or um, the police, the, the local police, the attorney, attorney general, and your licensing board are all entities that you can break confidentiality for and are required to respond and in truthful and candor, you know, and, and so they can request. That's why sometimes if you've ever seen or heard or if you, this has happened to you, um, you may get a subpoena from the board for your records. That's not optional. We've talked in previous episodes about the difference between an attorney subpoena and a court subpoena. When you get a subpoena from the board, you are dealing, you might as well consider that to be a subpoena from a judge. That is your licensing board telling you you will produce records and HIPAA does allow us to do so. And if you're listening here, don't worry, because our next podcast episode is going to cover all of the things that you're right. going to want to do if ever you get notified yes. of a board complaint. Yeah, but that's the general process, okay? Um, it's very important that you understand your rights. It's very important that you um, know the process. It's very important that you're just aware of this, okay? The likelihood day in and day out of you getting a complaint may not be very high. Particularly if you are someone who, um, and I hope you all are, who makes an you know an effort to run an ethical practice, a compliant practice, you know this is not doesn't happen that often, but it does happen, uh, and it's important to know. The other thing is is that your board is, believe it or not, is not out necessarily to get you. Right? I'm going to give them. I'm going to throw them a bone here. Your licensing board is their their focus is how do we make sure that the practice of, of those who are doing mental health therapy, mental health, providing mental health services are doing this in the most ethical, responsible way possible. They're just trying to make sure that public is not being harmed by a bad actor. Yes. Right. So you getting something in the mail, like a complaint, or you getting something from them saying something's happening, this goes back to our point at the beginning, doesn't necessarily mean there's that moment of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Oh my God, what do I do? And I understand that. And that's a very natural human reaction. But I want you to think and hopefully remember this podcast episode and think to yourself, okay, they're just doing their job. They're just trying to protect the public. And 
whatever I can do to be to work with them, to address their concerns, answer their questions is going to make it that much better for you down the road. Because the truth is, if they want the information, they can subpoena it. They're going to get it. You're not, you're not going to hide it from them. There's no way to do, to do that, in my opinion, in most cases. So candor and truthfulness and willingness and flexibility and willing to work with them can go a long way to helping resolve your, your situation. And I think that that's an important reminder. Sometimes there's confusion about the purpose of the board and the board's purpose is to protect the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the board wants people licensed, right? That's, I mean, they want, you know, the, the goal is not to prevent people from practicing. The goal is to just make sure that everyone's doing it the right way. And so, you know, again, like, just like with my traffic stop, I didn't, I didn't fault the officer. For all he knew, I could have been drinking, right? He was doing his job to pull me over to make sure everything's okay here. Something's not amiss. I get it. It happens. And that's how I think that people should, in general, you can approach a board complaint is, or, or board action is, you know, it happens. And the real question becomes next for you is, what are you going to do about it? And that's what our next podcast will be about. Sure. And that's a hard mindset to keep in mind when that complaint in particular is about you. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the most important thing you can do, I'm going to stress this again, when you get a complaint or any sort of notification of the board is know your rights, talk to an attorney, make sure you understand the process, what's going on. Okay. And that might involve a bit you having to do a bit of research. Okay. I've talked to practitioners who've gone through this and, and we've, and I've had situations where there are profoundly long periods of time that go by where we hear nothing. And we're sitting there wondering what is happening. Um, you know, typically the longest, the boards, at least in Maryland, boards will try to resolve a board complaint or board issue within 18 months. And 18 months is a long time. They really do try to resolve it much sooner than that. But each case is different. It really depends on the, on the situation and the severity of the matter. You know, but generally, I would say there's going to be a bit of time where the board is doing an investigation. They're contacting people. They're looking into stuff. They're reviewing documents. There may be several months that go by between the time you're notified you know, and the, or, or if you respond to them you know, as you're required to. You know, if they ask you questions, you attend a hearing. Um, or investigative meeting, there may be a bit of time that goes by where you hear nothing. Which is a challenge, right? You know, we know from working with our clients or personal experience that being in a place of waiting and uncertainty is really challenging. And up to 18 months to not know and to have something so important on the line, of course, can be really scary. So if that is you, if you're going through this process or if that process ever happens, know that it's also going to be important for you to get the support that you need while going through that long, lengthy process with periods of time where you might not be hearing anything at all. Yeah, I, I will tell you that one other thing is, is that, the, in my opinion, and there may be other people who disagree with me, but my opinion, the worst thing you can do is pester the board and, and really kind of like, you know, I want an answer, you know, what, what's the resolution? Because you don't want to piss off the board. <laughs> okay. These are the people who license you and are or who allow you to continue to maintain a license. And if they really believe that there's something off or there's something that they need to investigate or there's an issue that they need to deal with, one thing as an attorney from my perspective is my goal is, of course, to try to get, you know, as mitigated and, and try to get as much um, resolve it as best as I can for my clients, right? Well, if I have a board that's pissed off now because they feel that my client hasn't been upfront with them, 
or has been stonewalling them, you know, or has been had an attorney now who's been harassing them by email every three weeks or two weeks, trying to find out what's going on. The next time I pick up the phone, I don't want a board member, you know, investigator pissed off at me. That's not what you want. The goal here in most people's cases um, is that we want to show the board that you're willing to work with them, that you want to address this and get this resolved, and that you are compliant (laughs) so that we can all just get this to go away. So the best thing you can do is just remember, this is a board that regulates your license. So it's stressful. It's anxiety-ridden. I understand that, especially the waiting. But it just goes with the nature of the of the process sometimes. And there's nothing that can be done about that. Yeah. So wait patiently to the best of wait your ability. Patiently. So from my perspective, that that really wraps up the conversation regarding, you know, the board process today. You know, obviously there's a lot more complexity to it. And so what I would recommend in your takeaway today um, is to get to know your board's procedures. Whatever state you're in, whether you're in Maryland or California or Alaska or wherever it is, typically you can go onto your state's website. Um, you can find the process and protocols for your particular board and find out what is the process they follow when they do board complaints. What is the document that a client submits or when your client submits when they want to file a board complaint? You know, what are the, the you, you also can see the ethical codes. You can see all of that. Usually that's very featured very prominently on your board's website, um, webpage. Um, and I would recommend that you become familiar with that. You can bookmark it just so you have it. And so that way, you know, if God forbid a complaint or something else comes down the line, you at least have some familiarity and knowledge in advance of, okay, I now know what's about to happen. You know what the steps I need to follow, you know, and and that will give you a little bit, I think, from my perspective, that gives you a little bit of some of that anxiety that you feel like you're actually uncontrolled. Because that's very much what we're talking about here is the lack of control, that something beyond your control is now happening that could affect your license. Yep. <laughs> so thanks again for joining us today. To join the conversation further, please, again, as always, stop by our Facebook page or visit us on our website. Our website is, of course, as always, protectingyourpractice.com. Please reach out. We do want to hear your thoughts. We do want to hear your questions. If you have a story or an anecdote or you have your own um, particular experience and you can share it with us um, or an insight that you think we should know about, I would love to hear it. Um, you know, if we if we think it's really great, we'll we'll share it on our website and on our um, Facebook page. We may even mention it on um, one of our podcasts. So we want to hear from you. But other than that, that's it for now. We again appreciate you guys stopping by to join us and and have to join us in this conversation. And our next um, episode, like we said, we're going to talk about how do you respond to a board complaint. What are the steps you need to do? What are the things you need to or considerations you need to take into account? Um, and all that great stuff. So, and that be well, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast. Be sure to visit protectingyourpractice.com to connect with us, continue the conversation, and access additional information. As a reminder, the information on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Listeners should contact their own attorney or paid consultant for all decisions regarding their own practice.